Well, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department was rocked this week by the death of four, count them, four deputies within the space of 24 hours out here. Uh, that's shocking news. Uh, the worst news is, is that all four of them apparently killed themselves. Hmm. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. Um, gentlemen, uh, I've mentioned many times I've become a, a huge fan of these body cam videos. Um, but... And usually when you see a cluster of suicides, it's often because these people are related in some sort of illicit thing that is either gone public or about to go public. And, and they kind of do this as a, as a, almost like a, a membership thing. But by all accounts, these are four unrelated, uh, suicidal deaths of most, I think, retired, um, LA sheriff's deputies. So police have a, a higher suicide rate than the general population. So do our veterans, obviously. And I want to take a look at what at what uh, police officers have to deal with now compared to what they had to deal with then. And uh, Scott, the thing that seems to me to be the most glaring difference is the I'm not talking about the individual. I'm talking about the average level of respect. You're going to get attitude from from criminals no matter what, but over the course over the course of the last several years, respect for law enforcement as an idea has plummeted. And if you risk your life trying to save other people for 25 or 30 years, and you're mocked for it and 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 vilified for it, and told you're going to get your retirement's benefit cut or whatever the case may be. That's not helping people who have been through trauma for 30 years on behalf of the rest of the citizens of this county. It's, it's hard for people today to imagine even the, my childhood and the attitude that I was taught. Now, I had a, an advantage that I was not raised by my parents but brought up by my grandparents. And so I had a, a generation skip there as far as my mental attitude about things and what I was taught and mm -hmm. what I understood. And and my grandfather was not naive, and this was not some sort of, you know, leave it to beaver uh, sitcom existence that we lived. He, he was a very intelligent person, but his general bent in life was to be respectful to people. And that didn't matter what their profession was, but certainly if it's a law enforcement officer, Officer, you're respectful to law enforcement. He taught us when we were learning to drive how we should conduct ourselves if we're ever uh, pulled over by a police officer. And I know that a lot of parents think that only black kids get this talk. Um, and certainly with black kids, there's an additional kind of freight that comes with uh, some preconceived notions about young black men. But we got the talk, and the talk was about us showing respect to the police officer no matter what. It was about making sure the officer could always see our hands. It was about saying, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. It was about, you know, just conducting yourself with civility if you were in a traffic stop. It didn't occur to me, like, you know, if we were out in public somewhere and we needed help with something and saw a police officer— we would go to the police officer and ask for help. You know, that's right. It was th this idea. I don't know where this came from in the culture, but this officer friendly idea really was true. Like you expected the police officer to be a pillar of the community and that he was going to conduct himself with dignity and that he would be helpful to you. Uh, now, not all police officers have lived that way, nor have all soldiers, Marines, sailors, and airmen. Um, people are people. Uh, but 
it becomes much more difficult to maintain a civil and just society if you strip out the element of respect for the badge, if not respect for the for the man. I mean, it's just like I respect the presidency, uh, but from time to time, I have not necessarily thought we had the best character in the, in the office of the presidency. <laughs> And so if we can start training our children again, I hate to be, you know, kind of Ronald Reagan about it, but sit your kids down and talk to them about how this country got to be the way it is and how it functions well. That's how it works. And how you can have a, a, a free and just and, uh, and peaceful life by respecting everybody, including those who are responsible for taking care of the people who threaten your belongings and your life. Uh, while you were talking, Scott, you gave me the idea for what I'm going to use for the thumbnail for this episode, which is that Norman Rockwell painting of a policeman mm -hmm. and a little kid at a soda fountain. The child is obviously lost, and he's just taking care of the kid until they can find their parents. Um, Steve, there's no question that police brutality has gone down, way down. Uh, you know, when you think about like the 1800s, early 1900s, the Irish cop walking the beat in New York, you know, just giving people a good smack across the head with his billy club. Uh, but at least those policemen got to interact with the same people every day. One of the one of the marked um, declines in respect for the police was when uh, largely here in Los Angeles, where they went from the idea of cops walking the beat who were who knew everybody in the neighborhood to the idea of police cruisers that simply are dispatched and, and so they really have no connection to the community. But I did grow up on officer-friendly commercials and 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 I believe that I still believe it. And I tell that to Natasha, if, you know, if you get in trouble, talk to a policeman. And for God's sakes, just – my experience with this is universal. If you show fundamental respect to the police officers – sorry about the edit, folks. I have a loose front tooth and it doesn't look so good, so – it just came up. Uh, but Steve, we were taught, not just in officer-friendly cartoons, I mean uh, commercials, but in those, um, in those civics films that are so often mocked, like how to prepare for a first date or how to brush your hair. We were educated in civics. We don't have that education anymore. And now, more and more on these police body cam videos, you see people outright not only defying the authority just just denying that it even exists you're under arrest no i'm not yeah uh, you don't have the right to arrest me don't touch me you're not allowed to touch me they've been told what their rights are and many of those have been invented but none of the responsibilities yeah and respect is the first one uh, mm -hmm. my my new hero I actually came across this video it's a couple three weeks old now when i was putting together florida man friday over at pj media and I kind of forgot about it because it didn't fit with, with the whole Florida man thing, even though I always do one out-of-state item at the end. Um, but it resurfaced on Twitter a couple of days ago, and you've got to watch this thing. It is, a, I believe, a Minnesota cop with, uh, who's, who's pulled over a woman who's a young woman, early 20s, uh, who is probably been swerving or left her. Had, she was going the wrong way down a one-way street, I think is what it was. And so he's pulled her over, and this video, it's got to be 20 minutes long, of him going through all of the process of, of basically just getting, her, just getting her to get out of the car uh, so he can do the field sobriety test and then getting the handcuffs on her and, and, and arresting her. And she's using every 
current excuse in the book. Well, uh, I'm I'm indigenous. I'm bipolar. <laughs> I'm gender fluid. So you can't. And she tells him repeatedly, "Stop being a white man." Mm-hmm. Yes, it, and this cop, he is my hero. He is so nice. He is so polite. Yeah. He's saying, ma'am, and every time he says, ma'am, she says, you misgendered me, and he says, I'm so sorry. I will try to get it right the next time. He he never raises his voice, and he just very calmly, very politely, very respectfully goes about his business with this uh, drunk, postmodern person who just really needed a life lesson and hopefully she got one in fact um i i hope this video haunts her for the next several years because i think that that's how long it's going to take to deprogram all of this progressive woke nonsense out of her brain um that aside uh the suicide thing is is troubling and not just because of the suicides, because of the the response that I haven't seen yet. Because I I saw that headline. I guess it was over the weekend about the about the four suicides. Um, here in Colorado, I have to picture where I am on the on the I twenty five corridor that that runs north south. Uh, at the top end of the this our our little section of the Front Range, you've got Denver. You know, a city of two million or so people in the metro area. And then on the on the bottom end of it, you've got Colorado Springs, which has 700,000 people, and then a little tiny monument, and then Castle Rock, which is a bedroom and shopping community uh, just, just south of Denver. Well, for years between Monument and Denver, there's a lot of traffic between the Springs and Denver, right? The two big metro areas. And there was this 18-mile gap. It was even called the gap between Monument and Castle Rock that was narrow shoulders, two lanes, lots of wind, winding bits and hills for 18 miles. And when I first moved here in 1994 and I'm driving up to Denver, I just zip up 90, 95 miles an hour is easy. But by 97, 98, just, just three or four years later, uh, it was a little slower. And by the time 99 rolled around, when I was going up to Denver quite a bit, because I was, I was dating a woman who lived up there, I thought, man, they really need to start widening the 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 gap they need to they need to get on this and sure enough 20 years later they came up with a plan and <laughs> and it, it took them three years they're still not quite finished but we finally have nice wide shoulders we've got three lanes the 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 whole way it's 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 much better accidents are way down traffic is way down it's it was much needed but the only reason denver finally decided to find the money to fund widening the gap is in the space of one summer, just just a couple of months apart, two highway patrol officers were killed in the line of duty on the gap. And all they'd done was pull over somebody, probably for speeding, and they got hit by oncoming traffic uh, while they were out of their police cruisers, because that's how narrow and twisty and awful this road was. And Denver, the state government, just ignored it for 20 years, because, oh, it'll be fine until two police officers got killed. Well, here or there in Los Angeles, you had four suicides in short order. Is that going to be a wake-up call for what's going on in Los Angeles, or is it going to be more of the same? Because I think this is one of those moments where your local government has to wake up. What strikes me about this case if I got the details correct, was that at least several of them, maybe all of them, were retired sheriffs. Hmm. And when people 
when, when either veterans or police officers commit suicide, there are two causes that are usually pretty universal. One of them is the sense that nobody appreciated what I've done for you. And the second one is all of the trauma and sacrifice that I went through is in vain. It didn't, it, uh, it, it accomplished nothing. So these, uh, it, at least for the ones that, who killed themselves who were not active duty officers, uh, it's not like they were under immediate strain. It's that they had a chance to retire and think things over and then they shot themselves or whatever they did. The only explanation I have for that is, is, is watching the reaction of, of a radicalized public becoming more and more antagonistic towards police. So they're getting more and more and more of the bad stuff and they're not getting any of the good stuff at all, none. And I know this to be true because I will never forget, as long as I live, the expression on the faces of four LAPD officers. This is in the height of the George Floyd riots. Um, there's a 7-Eleven very close to where we live. We stopped uh, for some, some milk on the way home, Natasha and I. It was late at night. These four police officers were leaning against their cruisers. And I just walked over to these guys, and you could see them tense up, you know, because this was, this was when everybody's saying police brutality, blah, blah, blah. You just watch them tense up. And I said to them, I just want you guys to know that you're doing a great job out there and that, and that you see all the people who are demonstrating, but you don't see the people that aren't demonstrating. Most people really respect you and, and admire you and, and appreciate the work you did and, and do, and I just wanted to come over and, and tell you that. And I thought two of those tough guys were going to cry. You can't put people in a situation where they are under phenomenal levels of stress, just the insults alone. We did a body cam uh, episode two weeks ago where I talked about eight children arrested uh, in McDonald's. And if you hear the invective being hurled at these policemen, if I'd been a policeman, it would have been eight children shot at McDonald's. <laughs> um, and and they, 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 they're trained to let it roll off their back. And oftentimes you, they, you can see that it does, that it really doesn't affect them. But sometimes you can see that it really does affect them. Yeah. And they get to go home with this. And, and so what do they get for it? In, in the officer-friendly days, they got a sense of being important, respected, and effective, that they, were, that they were protecting their community, that they were known to be, generally speaking, good people, and that, and that they had a great deal of support from the public. So as these things continue to erode, we're going to see more and more of these kind of things. I'd just like to close with one thing I did see on, um, on this body cam footage stuff that I'm so addicted to last night, as a matter of fact. In a very real sense, I think the single, in fact, there's no question about this, the single greatest threat to police officers are corrupt cops, mm. by far. Cops who are either openly corrupt or overstepping their bounds, who are on power trips, give the rest of them the bad names, and they give ammunition to the to the opposition. And I saw a uh, a body cam uh, event where uh, police officers went out of this was chasing down this car that was doing 115 miles an hour in a 45 zone, finally pulled him over. The guy gets out of the car and he says, whoa, dude, it's okay. I'm a police officer. And he says, get, I don't, I don't care. Put your hands up, turn around. And the, the guy who they pulled over said, you know, Hey man, I've got a badge. And, and the guy says, I don't give a damn about your badge. And I thought, that's the guy. Yeah. That's the guy we need. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, 
not only law enforcement officers, they're not peace officers, they're policemen. That's their job. There's nothing shameful about that. I don't like that euphemism, police officers. But they're not only having to deal with violent criminals and getting shot, they also have to take enormous psychological abuse. They're more therapists, really, than policemen most of the time that I see recently. And honestly, guys, seriously, with younger people especially, they're not only law enforcement and they're not only psychologists, they're exorcists. I mean, the, the, the level of, of hysteria that they have to deal with is incredible. So uh, for those of you out there who happen to be uh, in law enforcement, you need to know that the, the vast majority of the people still support the work you do, that, that the, the very best thing you can do for yourself and your other colleagues is to get rid of the very few bad apples who have a tremendously detrimental effect. And we find that almost all of these police abuse cases are, con are con conducted by the same small number of individual guys. So all of that said, four suicides in, in 24 hours has rocked the law enforcement community out here. And the one thing I think we've seen since the George Floyd riots is we've gotten a pretty good look at what cities look like when they don't have a police force. And I don't want to live in a place like that, and I'm sure you don't either. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time right here on Right Angle.